Welcome to the Super Awkward Funcast, episode 42, I believe. I... It's a lot. What is happening in the world just gets more and more crazy. And it just keeps, like, freaking me the fuck out. And... I don't know, man. Like... I I thought there was going to be a dystopia, you know. I thought it was going to be really shitty. But it's even shittier than I thought it was going to be. Well, one good thing, I guess, I could say is that indoor dining is open in L.A. So that's fun. And I went to a restaurant that I hadn't been to in over a year to celebrate that. And... Went in there, cashier got the masks ready, went up to the register, and, you know, followed the protocols and whatnot with the social distancing, and went up there, and he said to me, do you need a mask? And he was about to open the box of masks and give me one, and I said, I'm good. And that was it. That was literally all that happened. And then I was able to sit at my table and eat normally. And it was just nice. It was nice, even though other people were still buying that whole ridiculousness and still going and ordering with a mask on. Then they sit down and uh, magically, the virus is not a problem anymore once you sit down. So it's all good. It's just in the air, like at your height. But once you lower yourself, and sit at your booth or your table, then you're okay. It just disappears. That's what they want us to believe, I guess. It's pretty stupid. So, there was that. That was a while ago, though. I don't even know when. Other than that, you know, I've been watching a lot of SAG movies, well, SAG-nominated movies and TV shows and TV movies as instructed and that's been fun and there's some SAG Awards nominees that are Oscar nominees as well which is cool I guess we can go over that this is just one of those episodes where I'm just kinda like I'm exasperated by this whole situation <laughs> I'm pr I pr probably a lot of other people are too but then we have the mass shootings thing going on. Like, we can't ignore everything that's going on. Unlike the media. I'm going to turn off this little fan thing. Even though it's hot and I want it. I'm going to turn it off so you can hear me completely. And that lovely plane uh, outside. I hope you guys have all gotten vaccinated. Because you're going to have to. Soon. Love that. Love love AstraZeneca coming out and being like, yeah, 76%, 79%, whatever the fuck it is. And, you know, we're going to take care of everything. 
just forget about those, all those blood clots you read about before. It's not a problem. The seven of them that were not expected in that study. Now i got to find that study since I mentioned it. Damn it. My favorite part of this podcast is all the research I do for a few people to enjoy my show. And I bet nobody really even clicks on the links. I'm just feeling very negative <laughs> about the whole situation. But yeah, they're, the, the narrative from the press or whatever is that everybody's just lining up to get vaccinated in LA because they just announced in April that they're gonna open it up to the older people and then the younger adults. And which somehow includes 16 year olds, which last time I checked, the age of consent in California is 18, lovelies, because that's what you say for sexual situations, but you don't say that for informed consent, which it's never really informed, when it comes to uh, medical procedures that don't really need to be done. There have been two mass shootings that have been hyped up in the press or even talked about recently. I guess three if you count the first one, which was the Asian hate shooting that they did. That's how it's being categorized, even though the, the shooter said that there was no racial bias or whatever. It just happened to be a lot of Asian people who were killed and maybe a couple of white people. But it, automatically, you know, if it's a certain number, then it's got to be the white supremacist or whatever that's doing everything. But then it turned out that he, they had a fake news story where he, this um, police officer, I don't know if he was a sheriff or what, but he was saying how the guys probably had a bad day. So everybody was like, this guy said he had a bad day, had a bad day. But it wasn't even in that context. But context doesn't matter anymore because you're all guilty of something. We might as well just cancel everyone. Then there was the shooting in... That was in Georgia. Atlanta-ish. They say Atlanta. Probably not Atlanta. Probably Metro Atlanta is the right, the right term to use. But then there was another shooting... And it was, I really can't remember where it was. Oh, Colorado. Thank you. My gosh. I fucking remembered. In a grocery store parking lot. So that's new. And it was a lot of people who were killed. And the dude behind that one, the shooter behind that one was as it turns out, Arab, Syrian, so interesting, but because, you know, he looked white, the press went ahead and said the white supremacy line again, then they had to back it up and be like, no, never mind, and also don't talk about it, so then we weren't allowed to talk about that one anymore, and now we got another one in Virginia Beach, I believe, let me look that up, it was like nine people injured, I believe. Uh, let's see. Enjoy the plane in the background. Here we go. Virginia Beach, yes. Oceanfront shootings. Oh, I got the I got the release from Chief Paul Newdigate. 
interesting name, from the police department. And it says, update to overnight oceanfront shootings. Virginia Beach, Virginia. At approximately 11.20 p.m. on March 26, 2021, I'm recording this on the 27th, the Virginia Beach Police Department responded to an initial, an initial shooting call on Atlantic Avenue at 20th Street in the Oceanfront Resort area. The preliminary investigation investigates that, investigates, my gosh, indicates that a group of individuals were involved in some type of conflict that resulted in a physical fight. At some point during the physical altercation, several individuals produced firearms and began shooting at each other, resulting in numerous people being wounded. Multiple officers responded to the above incident. Several minutes later, while managing that initial crime scene and crowd that had gathered, BBPD officers heard additional gunshots on the vicinity of the in the vicinity of the 1900 block of Pacific Avenue as additional shooting victim dang it why can't i read this is sad an additional shooting victim was located in the 300 block of 19th street near Pacific Avenue the adult female victim in the shooting succumbed to her injuries at the scene it is not currently believed this shooting incident is related to the initial incident. Just a coincidence, I'm sure. While the above was transpiring, one uniformed VP, VBPD, I know I was going to mess that up eventually, officer in immediate proximity of this location encountered an armed citizen, which resulted in a police-involved shooting. The adult male involved succumbed to his injuries at the scene. In total, 10 individuals were in injured by gunfire, two of which are deceased. Also, at some point during these three incidents, a VBPD officer was struck by a vehicle and transported to a local hospital. The officer has been treated and released. They continue to investigate the thing. Okay, so that's it. That's what they're saying, anyway. Who knows if that's right. But anyway, after that last shooting before that one, gun control came back into the conversation, as it does every once in a while when it's appropriate. When something happens, people react, which is what the media wants, because the establishment will love, just love to just unarm, disarm everybody, and make it so that only the National Guard, who are, for some reason, still at the Capitol, have all their arms and the military have their arms and the police have their arms so that we can't get into the way of their little plans that they have so that would be really great if everybody would just stop having guns um, I mean because you could make the the argument that cars kill people just as much as guns or I don't know the statistics I have to look that up but I'm not gonna say 100% that that's true so I'm just saying, having been hit by a car twice, three times actually, was that three times or did I just fall that one time? I think I just fell in the street that one time, but I was scared of the car. Okay, so two times, and oh, actually, 
I had initial, an initial event of being in a car crash in an actual vehicle when I was younger, when I lived in Georgia. And my father was there as well. He was driving. And I had the airbag come out and like all in my throat and everything. It was horrible. My glasses were okay though. I was like, phew, don't have to get new glasses. Good. But, you know, it was rough. That was a rough one. Actually, even before that, there was a moment in a parking lot. Back in the day when I was a young, young teenager, I think. We were all, like, my brothers were in a car and somebody was driving. I don't even know who's driving, some relative or something. And we were, like, backing out and then some asshole, like, hit us in the back. So we felt it. That was the first crash I had. Second crash was a later down the line when I lived in Georgia, again, <laughs> as an adult. And then the third one was my biggest one, which was the Escalade, where I became disabled, technically, and have an ongoing condition forever <laughs> of uh, neuropathy, neurological condition. I have like the cubital tunnel syndrome and then chronic back pain, of course. And then after the next one, or maybe even before that, I had chronic headaches. Because I have headaches very often when I'm laying back on the bed. Oh yeah, just get in my head for a second. I have to lay on the bed. And if I hit the back of my head where I hit my head when I was initially in the crash, on foot, remember, I got hit and fell back on my head. So now, and then I got like staples in that, in that part of my head, in the back of my head. And then when I have headaches, they're in the back of my head a lot. So I have to move to the side. So that's when I roll over and I don't sleep on my back as much. So that's fun. Anyway, so those are four incidents. No, three so far. The fourth one was a minor crash, but still got a lot of money that I was able to live on after the pandemic, so, okay. And that one just made my shit worse and made me scared of cars more so than ever. Like, I'm more scared of cars than anything. I have no issues with guns because, like, I've never been held up or anything. But, like, obviously if I'd been held up, I'd feel, I'd feel differently. But since I've been, I've had shit happen with cars, I'm not really a fan of cars, I'm just saying. They're not my thing. They're not my favorite. So, if y'all want to get rid of cars, it really won't make my life any different. Except maybe I won't be able to do Uber or Lyft to the airport. But where the hell am I going anyway? Because, one, we're going to have real ID in October. So anything after that is out of the question. And then, two, we got a vaccine passports on their way. No no joke. Like, they're, they're seriously developing these in different countries. And we'll eventually develop them here. Hell, they probably already have. They're like keeping it on the down low. Like all the biometrics stuff that they got going on. They already have like clear at the airport and everything. I already talked about that in the past. But I'm just saying, like, there's shit that you need to be scared of. And then there's shit that like is essential to being a citizen in a state of chaos that we are in where shit could go awry. We could have a zombie outbreak any fucking day. We don't know what's gonna happen. So, you know, 
I am lucky to have found a machete in my apartment. Don't know who left it there, who was a roommate of mine, or why they had a machete. I don't ask questions. I just take the machete, and I put it o over in the closet where it was, and I keep it for a rainy day. Or a zombie day. Whatever kind of day I'm going to have, I will have that machete. So, a machete is probably better than a gun, really. You can really get some damage in there. I'm not saying I support machetes. I'm just saying, you know, in a crunch, it won't be a bad idea. I don't know if I could throw it, though. Like, if a zombie's coming at me, and maybe they're, like, like swifter than you think they're going to be. I'm just going to say swift. Like, everybody says swift, right? So, why not say swift instead of quicker? Anyway, so that's that. So, get the vaccine, you know, so you can become a zombie. Not that I'm saying it's going to make you a zombie. I'm just saying, in general. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying nothing. I've said nothing. None of this means anything. Nothing means anything, really. Let's get philosophical on your ass. Nothing means anything. What you're complaining about today, if you're complaining about anything, won't mean anything tomorrow. If you're canceling people now, they're not going to be canceled. You know what? I'm yet to see anyone who's actually been canceled other than by the courts. Like, in a court of law, which is where you're supposed to go when you've done something really horrendous. Like, say, Harvey Weinstein. Who, by the way, was doing some shit that was kind of like not that, you know, out of the ordinary while he was doing shit that was a little fucking gross. And, you know, rapey and shit. So he's raping people, but he's also doing a little something on the side where people will look the other way on that shit. But that's part of the business, right? So if he's asking you to have sex with him and you comply, that's not really rape. So there has to be some kind of in-between. That is a power... What do they call that? Like a power dynamic that is unhealthy like an unbalanced or whatever so what's going on with with army hammer because army hammer last thing i saw about him was that he was um accused formally with the police and the police are investigating in la but i haven't heard shit since then and probably won't but that would be a rapey situation, like a rape, ass, sexual assault, you know, you know, there's a safe word. So like, I've looked into this case, I was talking to my mother about that the other day, <laughs> that, you know, if he didn't say okay when they said stop, when they say the safe word and he ignores it, that's tantamount to rape because you have ignored the rules of the game that you're playing. Which is a very dangerous game, but if you want to play it, I have no judgment. So, just something to think about. Ignore the background of people coming into my building. Again, I'm in an apartment. I'm not in a swanky studio that I can't afford. And also, I couldn't probably do that anyway now. Without complying with some weird order. I don't even know if there's studios up. I'm sure there are. I wouldn't even know where they would be, though. I miss going out and being on on set and stuff. I think about that a lot. 
I wish that that would be a possibility again. But with SAG being as crazy as they are about like all these protocols and the mask thing in general and how it doesn't apply to certain people, but it does apply to these people. I just don't like that. So if you're going to set rules, set rules for everyone and then not let people, you know, behind the scenes suffer, you know, who are manning the cameras and stuff and doing the sound with the mic while all these people are barefaced on camera. Like, make it make sense. So it doesn't affect the people who are in front of a camera, but it does affect the people who are behind the camera. So they cannot show their face or they will be attacked by the virus. There's so many weird contradictions and stuff with this thing. So I was going to talk about Fauci. Oh my gosh, Fauci fucking Fauci. He was relevant for a second, but then he wasn't again. So I don't know if it's really worth mentioning because the time that I wanted to talk about him before, I was like really gung-ho about it. And now I'm kind of like, whatever. More importantly, like there was a speech, there was a press conference, if you can call it that, with the president in which he started like patting himself on the back for doing a good job of the vaccines, which he hasn't, but whatever. And then he took questions, but only from people he had the pictures of, and he had their names, and I probably the questions, let's be honest. And, you know, that just shows, one, the people, like, or ca accounts on online who are like, aha, ha, he is, he is a puppet. Well, douche. Your dude was a puppet, too. Everybody's dude was a puppet. Like, the, all the presidents are puppets. Like, you can't point your finger at Biden and be like, he's a puppet, and then let Trump say some stupid shit in his little press conferences and have notes and stuff. And yeah, maybe they're handwritten or whatever, but, like, it's still notes. Everybody has notes. And, like, this reminded me, like, the sheet that I saw from Biden which was funny because it said the president. It's like, you don't know who you are? Okay. But um, when I saw that, I was just reminded of being on the red carpet. Not on it, of course, but as a photographer. Because I used to photography a lot. I don't know why I'm making up words, but whatever. Um, I used to photograph things, people, such things as people and landscapes and shit. But I would photograph celebrities when I needed to just to get out there, you know, and it would be for a sci-fi oriented site that is basically doesn't exist anymore. I didn't get paid from them or anything, but I, it was a good experience. I had a good experience with them, but I never got paid anything. They didn't pay shit. And then they just ended the whole affair, but we, we ended good. It's all good. Um, good terms. So anyway, one of these things, I did an event. I did multiple events, not just one, of red carpet um, premieres. So you would be at the premiere and then a PR person would come out and they would like hold up the name of the person so you know what to put on your under your photos and stuff. 
And you would have to pay attention. You have to know their name and everything. Sometimes you knew their name, but sometimes you did not know their name. There would just be some random person, some random famous person, somewhat famous person on the red carpet. You're like, I don't know who this schmo is. And then they say, you know, this is John, whatever. And you're like, okay, hey, John, you know, look over here. Uh, so that would be what it would happen. So you would get, a, you would also get a, sh a cheat sheet. Thor of the Dark World premiere, they gave us like a cheat sheet is the word, with photos of people who were involved in the production, who would be on the red carpet, and then their names, you know? So we would know what to, to go with. And also that would be good for interviewing too. So I would interview people every once in a while on the red carpet as well. So once I get, and that was just one time. I've gotten multiple cheat sheets before. So this is normal. So I figure it's kind of like that with the president. Which is kind of disturbing because, well, not really, because again, they're the puppet. So they're not even really in charge of anything at this point. They're just a spokes guy, spokesman. And then eventually spokeswoman once Kamala Harris comes in as the next president. After, uh, um, after they get rid of Biden, however they're going to do it. Um, but yeah, it just kind of reminded me of that kind of practice of getting the information beforehand so you're prepared. So I just think that's such a weird thing to be like, be like ha ha, about, you know, it's just, it's standard operating procedure. Okay, big news with the Wuhan lab thing though, because I was just listening to an old podcast of mine in which I was stating that it could be possible that the fucking virus was developed in the lab and released from the lab. It's possible. And then, you know, my guest was not, like, in that frame of mind, so he disagreed. But I still stand by that possibility. And I've not seen anything since that would make me think it wouldn't be possible. So, what happened recently is, this dude, this motherfucker, the ex-CDC director, who was involved, I don't know if he was actually, actually there, but his name was mentioned in a couple of exercises, pandemic exercises before this happened. But he came out and he went on CNN of all places. And he said, you know what? I think that it was a lab leak. And he's not the first one to say that. Like there's multiple people who have said that, who, who've come out and been like, you know what? I think that's what happened. And he said, that's his opinion. So that's how they get you. It's like, Oh, I'm just making my opinion known. But you don't work for the CDC anymore. You know? And he still was pretty adamant about it. Like, yeah, I really think that's what happened. Oh, well. <laughs> but I guess he thinks it's like an accidental leak. You know, he's... But he doesn't think that. Like, And there was something in that interview. I think I should play it, actually. I'll play it for you guys. Hold on. I don't know if it'll play. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. I'm trying to get the whole gosh darn thing. Copy. Sanjay Gupta. If it's with him, that's insane. Because he was in Contagion and was talking about social distancing then. Let's see if we can play the video. Here we go. CNN. Here we go. Ooh, five minutes. Let's see. Former director of 
on when and where he thinks the coronavirus pandemic originated. Here is Dr. Robert Redfield when he sat down with Sanjay Gupta. If I was to guess, this virus started transmitting somewhere in September, October, and Wuhan. September, October. That's my own view. It's an only opinion. I'm allowed to have opinions now. You know, I am of the point of view that I still think the most likely uh, etiology of this pathogen in Wuhan was from a laboratory, um, you know, escaped. Uh, other people don't believe that. That's fine. Science will eventually figure it out. It's not unusual for respiratory pathogens that are being worked on in a laboratory to infect a laboratory worker. It is also not unusual for that type of research to be occurring in Wuhan. The city is a widely known center for viral studies in China, including the Wuhan Institute of Virology which has experimented extensively with bat coronaviruses. Yep. It is a remarkable conversation I, I feel like we're having here because you are the former CDC director and you were the director at the time this was all happening. Mm -hmm. For the first time, the former CDC director is stating publicly that he believes this pandemic started months earlier than we knew and that it originated not at a wet market, but inside a lab in China. These are two significant things to say, Dr. Redfield. And that's not implying any intentionality. It's <laughs> my opinion. Right? It's just I my opinion. I have spent my life in virology. I do not believe this somehow came from a bat to a human. And at that moment in time, the virus that came to the human became one of the most infectious viruses that we know in humanity for human-to-human -human transmission. Normally, when a pathogen goes from a zoonote to a human, it takes a while to figure out how to become more and more efficient in human-to-human -human transmission. I just don't think this makes biological sense. So in the lab, do you think that that process of becoming more efficient was happening? Is that what you were suggesting? Yeah, let's just say I have coronavirus that I'm working on. Most of us in the lab, we're trying to grow virus. We try to help make it grow better and better and better and better and better and better so we can do experiments and figure out about it. I, that's, that's the way I put it. Oh, I mean, Sanjay, okay. this was part of a really important documentary that you've been working on for months, but wow. I mean, Redfield says that this is his opinion, but the fact that he's comfortable enough to go, go there publicly, it's going to have an impact. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it will, and it's an informed opinion, obviously. He was head of the CDC at the time. He has access to, to data and knowledge that, you know, most people don't have. So it, when you look, when you hear his, his thoughts on this, it's uh, it's sort of uh, lots of different information that he had access to. The World Health Organization calls the lab leak theory extremely unlikely. Uh, Chinese officials have even started uh, proposing this multi-origin theory, saying it, the pandemic originated in several different places. Uh, you know, so that's been unsubstantiated. But the point is, a year into this, we still don't know exactly how this pandemic, where, where it started. And Dr. Anthony Fauci is now there they go. responding to questions about this. Yeah, so, you know, he, he, he was, we, he's part of the, the documentary film as well, but he was asked specifically about this after he heard for the first time what Dr. Redfield said, so take a listen. I think what he likely was expressing is that oh, we gotta there get certainly some are possibilities, as I mentioned just a few damage control ago, from Fauci. how a virus adapt itself to a efficient spread among humans. You know, one of them is in the lab, and one of them, which is the more likely, which most public health officials Ugh. agree with, is 
that it likely was below the radar screen spreading in the community in China for several weeks, if not a month or more, which allowed it, when it first got recognized clinically, to be pretty well adapted. So there you see, Kate, I mean, even, even between Dr. Fauci and Dr. Redfield, you know, it's still not clear, even to them, exactly how to say for certain where this thing originated. Oh, I think he knows. <laughs> Why does it matter? People have died in the United States to 2.75 million people around the world. And, you know, people, I think, understandably just want to know what, where did this start? What exactly happened? But I think more to the point, and this was sort of the focus of the, of the documentary as well, Kate, is there are lessons to be learned. I mean, even right now, there are lessons to be learned because we're still in the middle of this pandemic. But there's lessons no, to, we're not. to try and prevent future <laughs> outbreaks. Uh, you know, does regulation around labs, things like that. Uh, how you're actually tracking early zoonosis, all these sorts of things uh, make a difference. And, you know, we probably haven't paid enough attention to it in the past. This will help shine some light on exactly what the lapses were and how they can be avoided in the future. Okay, so that's it. That's the whole thing. So it's just interesting that now we're allowed to talk about this shit. When it would be like medical misinformation if someone else, if a different account who's not CNN, who doesn't have the political cover of CNN, of being CNN, would come out. If they had an article about this and like got an interview with this guy, if it was independent media, it wouldn't be advertised. Nobody would hear about it. But since it's CNN, you know. It's a big deal. And we're allowed to talk about it if it's a major news network. We're allowed to talk about the interesting aspects of this whole thing. And I guess, you know, they don't ever mention Event 201, which is funny. But that was held on October 18, 2019, as I've said multiple times on this podcast. And they were saying September, October there, the, the CDC director. Robert Redford. Robert Redford? <laughs> Redfield. Damn, girl. Oh, dear. Robert Redfield. There's no Robert Redford. <laughs> Let's be honest. Speaking of Robert Redford, uh, I don't know if they had the Sundance Film Festival. See, this is a good segue, right? <laughs> this year, but I did get a bunch of SAG nominees to watch, and I guess we should go over what I think you would like as my audience and what I think you would not like. So on the not like list, we'll get that out of the way first. Um, I did a whole lot of talking about this movie with my mother today on the phone, because what else am I gonna do? Just sitting here, not having a job. But it was about the five bloods from Spike Lee, this, the new Spike Lee joint, which is just wonderful. I recommend it highly, I do not. So, there's so many issues with this film, starting with editing, ending with casting and screenwriting not being the best. So, 
I'll say this about that movie. It makes me want to watch Black Klansman again. And I was not the biggest fan of Black Klansman, but it's better than that. And it was there was an effort made. I'm sorry. I have to go there. There was an effort made in developing Black Klansman and in the characters I cared about, a lot of them. This one, I couldn't care less about anyone. If they, okay, I guess I'd be doing a spoiler to say that, but no matter what happened to them, I was not going to care about them because they didn't let me care about them. And it was already like awkward from the get-go. So there's like Trump insults and stuff in here where it's like, okay, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, but he's not here anymore. And also, that's going to date your movie. As my mother pointed out before I did, it, it dates your movie to have topical things in, in your movie. And that was a very topical thing that was, it has run its course also. It's not the public conversation anymore how bad that Trump guy is. Yeah, we get it. He's bad. He's gone too, so get over it. And also, like, one of the guys in the group of soldiers who are returning to Vietnam to take a tour and to bury one of their, their bloods, the group that they had in the war, they're burying this guy. So they come to the Vietnam or whatever, and then one of them has a MAGA hat. And so there has to be one Trump guy. So he's like the bad guy the whole time, basically. The the loose cannon, you know? So that's played by, he's played by Delroy Lindo. I'm not going to remember everybody else's name. I don't remember everyone else's name. He's the one who stood out to me. So Delroy Lindo's in it. And the guy from Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, which I saw a little bit of with him. I feel like his name is John something. Pretty sure his name is John something. And he was in it. And then they had... My issue was, okay, they come out of the movie and they would show you just random... Not random. They would show you for context, I guess clips or uh, images of things that they were talking about and I was like okay I think that shit worked in the 80s but it doesn't work in the 2000s and 2020s so why are you doing that he's never done anything this lazy before Spike Lee this is a very lazy one pass script one pass editing job and one pass film which could have been like a very, very long YouTube video, but very well produced. That's what I got out of it. And it just bothers me if if it happened. If these snakes actually died in the movie, I'm not giving anything away, but like, if there were snakes that died in this movie, I feel bad that they had died in such a shit film. It's one of the worst films I've seen all year. It's so bad that compared to other movies, I would not even compare it to any other movie. Because they're in a different category. But I had to actually watch this for the cast and judge their acting. And some of it was over the top. But, like, it's the lines, man. The lines are not helping. The lines were shit. Oh, my gosh. And then, like, the logic was out the door. 
there was one moment where something happened and I know I was supposed to react very sad. Like I was supposed to be very sad about this moment. I could not stop laughing because of the way it was shot. They shot it just like it was Tropic Thunder. And I'm like, this isn't a comedy. Why am I laughing like this is a comedy? Then there's all this hell breaking loose later on that just didn't even feel justified. Like, all of a sudden, some shit's happening in the movie, and I'm like, why is this happening? And then this other shit is happening. Why is this happening? I can't give a spoiler-free review to show you how much I hated this movie without giving away the movie. So I'm not going to do that. But I'm just saying, avoid it at all costs. It's not a good war movie. And I've seen, I haven't even seen Apocalypse Now, but I'm like, if it's, I mean, if they're copying it or whatever in one part, and they're like, or homaging it or whatever, and this, you know, it's one of the best performances people say, Brando or whatever. And I'm like, maybe I should watch that <laughs> if I want to watch a war movie that really hates war. This one doesn't even seem to hate war. It hates racism more than war. And I feel like, you know, pretty much war is worse. But, you know, I'm white, so I'm allowed. I'm, I'm probably privileged to say that war is worse than racism. Although some wars, and most wars, actually are based on racism. Or there's some white supremacy aspect to wars, which one could argue. Because... How many fucking brown people have been murdered by the U.S. military um, in at different countries in the Middle East over the last 20 years? How many white people, just, you know, Europeans or whatever, how many Europeans are we murdering on a daily basis? None. I'm just saying, there's a little white supremacy there. It's not out of the realm of possibility. So when you think about it, racism leads to war. So, maybe you can't have one without the other. I don't know. But, it was a mess. I don't know how Vietnamese people would feel about this film. Because it's filmed sometimes in Ho Chi Minh City. And I guess it's also filmed in Thailand a little bit. And I think I recognize some places from the dramas that I watch from Thailand. Which are way better than this. And, oh my gosh, I'm just reliving it in my head, and it was just such a mess. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just very didactic, very uh, conversational. Oh my gosh, there's so many conversations where it's like, okay, is this an action movie at any point? I don't know, but, like, he was trying for Tarantino or something, but that's not Tarantino. I mean, come on, Spike Lee, why are you even, like, if anyone else directed this shit, I'm saying, if anyone else directed it, nobody would give a shit. It would not, it would pass under the radar. Nobody would care. I think they kind of ruined probably what was a good spec script as well, which is what they originally got. And I think two, two writers were on that. And then two writers came in being Spike Lee and some other person. And they, they changed it. They changed the whole fucking thing to make it more uh, about black, uh, black rights, you know, and and how, I don't know, racism, I don't know, racism is bad, yeah, we know, okay, I don't know, I don't know what they're trying to get, like, everything that they said in this movie has already been said, like, nothing was new in this movie about Vietnam, about racism, and then they put black, ooh, I can't say that, I was gonna say something, but it was gonna be a spoiler, I'm gonna move on, so, okay, what I did come away liking in this movie 
Well, one, the, the original score is nominated for an Oscar, right? From Terrence Blanchard. But this score did not match what I was looking at on screen. It's fine, it's whatever, but like it didn't match. It's fine. It's a good score. It makes sense, I guess. If you're going to nominate anything from that fucking film, it should be the music. But the music didn't match anything that I saw on screen. It was way overdone for what I was looking at. Like, if the script was better, sure. But it wasn't. The directing was not to standard. Oh my gosh. And the lighting... Some, like, at one point, I was really... I was trying to be really positive. And I was like, oh, this is a good lighting scene. This is good lighting. I like this blue hue. And then they changed it to another location with another guy. And I could barely see his face. And I'm like, come on. You, you lit the other guy better than this guy. Why is this guy so drained, drowned in the blue and the shadows? And we saw that guy pretty clearly. So it was a little annoying. And that's a thing, a thing I have about a pet peeve when it comes to lighting darker skin tones. I feel like Hollywood fucks up a lot on that. And I don't know if it's on purpose. Sometimes it's white people who are the cinematographers or whatever. I don't know in this case if the cinematographer was white. But I do know the director is black. So you think he would notice these sort of things um, with the skin tone being not as present in one shot as the other. This is just a minor gripe. I know nobody gives a shit. But I'm just saying. I didn't like the lighting in that one shot. And I didn't like some of the composition... Ugh, really didn't like it. Ugh. With the Jean Renault character in the French scene, like where he's talking about the French in the World War II. I don't know. There was just a lot of information that was wrong also in the film that took me out. Um, so just do your research. Like, it's not that hard. Just do some research. Stop getting all biased and like in your own head thinking that shit's real when it's not. And also gold, there's gold in here. There's gold in the Vietnam War. There's Nazi gold in Germany, like with the World War II, but there's no gold in Vietnam. Like that just came out of nowhere to me. I don't know if that was in the spec script though. I don't know, but it was a mess. It was just a right mess, a wrong mess. I did not enjoy that film. So that's the film I liked least. Let's go to the film I liked most so far. Okay, so these are my top two so far. I should do a top three, actually. Let's do a top three. I'm going to look at my list here. Um, well, for TV, The Queen's Gambit is number one for me because I actually enjoyed that, and I want to get back to it. I have a couple more episodes. A few more episodes until the end of that season. I also did not match... I didn't have a problem that much with the flight attendant. I thought that was pretty cute. Not cute. I mean, it was sad, but like, whatever. I mean, a lot of it was sad. It was like in the comedy category. I'm like, she's crying a lot for this to be in the comedy category, but okay. So getting to it, uh, Minari. Okay, Minari. Would that be top three? Let me see. That's close, because no. Oh, I just remembered a really bad moment in that movie. No, 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 no. Okay, I would say that. Okay, I would say Minari number three, top movies so far that I've seen. I haven't seen all of them. I haven't seen One Night in Miami, and I haven't seen Make. I haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah. 
I haven't seen. Is that it? That's the only two, the only three that I can't haven't seen. I think. Hold on. Yeah, that's it. Okay, I saw everything else. Cool. So those are the ones I haven't seen. So out of the ones that I have seen, Minari's number three. And then number two, Sound of Metal. No, 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 no. Number two, Nomadland, but it's very close. It could go either way at this point. If I watched it again, I mean, the thing about Nomadland is I watched that shit. <clears throat> oh, by the way, I watched, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice already. I watched um, Defy Bloods all the way through in one sitting because I was like, I'm not taking a break in this. I had to pee, but I was like, we're going to hold it in. I'm going to finish this motherfucker, then I'm going to pee, and then I'm going to reward myself. And I rewarded myself with Nomadland. Nomadland. And I I don't know if it was because I watched the worst thing, but I really enjoyed Nomadland. And it, like, breezed me through. Like, it was a pretty... Sh it was 147, I think, for the runtime, an hour and 47. And it just kept going. And I was just like, oh, it's been 30 minutes. Sweet. Because, you know, I love that in a movie where it's like, I'm not even seeing the time. And then all of a sudden it's over. And I love that. I love that. I love that it was a very lived-in movie. It was a very authentic movie. I think that was what I, what I liked a lot about Sound of Metal as well. But a lot more happened in Sound of Metal than in Nomadland. But I did like the idea. I like the the philosophy of, you know, just a van life if you can do it. I couldn't do it because I can't drive and shit. And I hate cars. So... If you can do it, and then you meet people on the road, and they're like, see you later. I love that. I love that, like, you never say goodbye to anyone. You just see them down the road whenever you see them again. And then you just keep making friends, seeing those same people over and over again. I had similar experiences out in the in the world, uh, in Hollywood, that I'm not going to get into. But I see people from time to time. I, I get to know people outside of here, and it feels like I'm part of the world and part of nature. And I'm enjoying my surroundings and I'm not just all holed up in my apartment all the time, just miserable. And I love that. I love human connection. And I think we should strive for more of it in the future, uh, in this dystopia, especially when we're being told not to. So I love Nomadland. I thought Frances did a good job. She wasn't at her best. She's been better, but she played the role very well. And I, care, I cared about her character. So there's people I cared about in this fucking movie that I didn't care about anyone pretty much in Defy Bloods. But, you know, I really enjoyed that film. Is The cinematography. Joshua James Richards. Is that his name? I never remember anyone's freaking name. Oh, shut up. Stop talking. Stop talking. I hate pop-up ads. So let's look at um, that guy's name. Joshua James Richards is, I believe, what his name is. Chloe, Ch Chloe, Chloe, the director, did a great job, too. Joshua James. So Joshua James, anyway, he was the one behind um, the God's Own Country film, the movie called... God's Own Country, which I loved so much. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. He was a cinematographer in that, and now he's in this one. So that was really cool, seeing 
his work again. And he's fairly young too, but he has a great eye and I really just enjoyed a lot of the, the atmosphere and the landscapes that I saw. Oh, it was just so, so beautiful. I was just really impressed. And then it was just quiet. It was a nice quiet film after such a fucking annoying ass, loud ass film that didn't even know what it was after the Defy Bloods. I was just like calm, eating a sandwich, just watching the shit and just enjoying myself. And then, you know, that was the end of my night. So then that was great. And then I went on from that to the next film. Well, I said Minari, I liked third, right? So Minari, what I liked about Minari, what I didn't like about Minari, I'll say, is the chick sexing stuff. It was sad. I was getting sad watching it and I was thinking about the chicks and I know I wasn't supposed to, but I was. So that was annoying for me and sad, but it is what it is. And I, I liked the character who helps out um, with the farm and everything. And I liked the portrait of the marriage that wasn't going the way it was supposed to go. It was having a lot of issues. And the kid was really good in it. And I really liked the grandmother. I think she was excellent in that. And I related to a lot of them. And it was just cool to see a 90s film too. It's like where I grew up. When I grew up, it was the 90s. So um, it was cool to see a movie set in that decade. I think there were several movies set in the decade of the 90s. But that was a really good one. I think it kind of didn't really hold me till the end. I kind of got like, okay, I'm ready for it to end. And then it ended, and I don't remember what happened. <laughs> like, I will say one thing about Promising Young Woman. Not in my top three, but like that movie was entertaining. One, not greatly written, but it is nominated for an Oscar for screenplay original screenplay and I just I love that ending so much I'm not gonna get into it but when it had the ending I was like well you couldn't have made a better ending so good job on the ending you really stuck that landing but I was not crazy about the middle or <laughs> the first part but you know you got me at the end so good 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 on you okay and then I guess if we're doing like top five I guess father would be in there the father is just so interesting, and I never saw the play, so I can't judge it by the play, but Anthony Hopkins really killed it, and I really felt for him and the daughter that Olivia Coleman played through the, throughout the whole thing, and I just thought it was an interesting way to show what people were going through who were suffering from dementia, and you don't really see that every day, so I thought it was a cool representation. And it got a little notebooky at one point, and I was like, oh, don't do that. So, you know, I wouldn't say the screenplay was pitch perfect, but they tried. It was good. So other than that, it was like, back to it, Minari, and then um, Sound of Metal, which I can't rave enough about because I enjoyed that so much. Because it just reminded me of, like, having a life... <laughs> And, you know, things that were happening in my life, like, late, earlier in my life. Not, like, being deaf or anything, but, like, having these relationships or whatever. It was really good to see 
this timeless kind of quality in this film. I feel like it was probably set in the 2000s, early 2000s, but I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell which, which decade it was, but it felt older, but it didn't feel too much older. And it felt like it could be any decade, really. I liked that about it. I really loved Paul Rossi, who was nominated, who is nominated for an Oscar. He was nominated with the cast for, um, no, he wasn't actually. That's a shame. Just Riz was nominated for Sound of Metal um, for the SAG Awards. But for the Oscars, where Paul Rossi did, he got nominated. And I think, you know, if Oscars mean anything, which apparently they, they don't, they haven't for quite some time. But it's good to see him acknowledged anyway, because I think his performance was really brilliant. And he really did basically play part of himself, which was really cool to see. There was such an authenticity to, authenticity to that film. And the way it kind of like took turns that you didn't really expect, because it's not the same narrative you've seen a million times. Darius Martyr did a good job with the directing and writing uh, alongside Derek Chamfrance. I don't know if that's pronounced right, but whatever. And this other person, I can't remember the name of. I guess I should give them a shout out, hold on. Um, but I just thought it was just well written and well executed. And I was just really pleased by it. And I, I was, I felt better about liking it because it wasn't originally like Amazon. They like picked it up or whatever. So it's not an Amazon production really. So it felt very independent, which was cool. So yeah, Darius Martyr and Abraham Martyr. Yeah, and Derek Chamfrance. Chamfrance, whatever the hell his name is. He missed it with, I know this is much as true, but he really killed it with this one. I, I'll give him props. And, um, yeah, so it's like, it starts with the drummer, uh, finding out that he's losing his hearing. And then you think it's going to be like, oh, how is he going to cope as a drummer, blah, 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 on his band and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it goes a different direction. And I love that he, like, he has lessons to learn in the film and we learn those too. And I love that he's not like Paul Rossi's character with Ruben, played by Riz, is not like coddling him or whatever like you would see in a Hollywood film. A normal Hollywood film, you would be like, he would be like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be your sage, you know, whatever. But he's like a real human being. He's very three-dimensional. A lot of three-dimensionality in this film. Everybody's just a human. It's not like this person's bad, this person's good. There's none of that. It's just very slice of life. It was based on like a documentary that they were gonna do of a couple who were facing a problem in a band, but then they didn't do that. So then they made it fictional, and then this is what we ended up with, a very docudrama kind of situation. And I love that, you know, nobody's like acting badly. There's no like love triangle or mess or like, a hor horrible like breakup scene or anything like it's just you know life it's basically just life and dealing with being deaf and I'm sure a lot of people a lot of critics would be upset about I'm sure they are because I've read <laughs> that they were upset about the cochlear implant uh, kind of situation in the film not gonna get into it but 
it's a topic of a discussion that a lot of people would feel one way or the other about. So I think it was a little controversial, but in an in a respectful kind of way. I don't think they were trying to upset anyone. So it ended up being really good. I really enjoyed the film. Riz was great in it. Probably my favorite performance from a male actor, if I'm being honest, of the year. Not that it matters with the Oscars or anything, but if he got one, I would not be surprised. Um, another thing. So the first one that I liked so much, which I told you, was... Wait, it was Nomadland. Like, I couldn't choose between those two. So yeah, Sound of Metal was number one, and then two is Nomadland, and then Minari, and then Promising Young Woman, and then The Father, I think. Just because of that ending for Promising Young Woman. Normally I'd be like, nah. Because I didn't really love her performance in it, if I'm being honest. And I always am. Um, so I was just kind of like, whatever about her. But And the writing didn't really make me care about her. So when it happened at the end, what happened at the end was like, oh, okay. I get the movie now. <laughs> I don't think I have to care about her at this point. But not giving anything away. I just watched The Trial of the Chicago 7. I will say that that was watched by me it it happened Sasha Baron Cohen was nominated for SAG award for best male actor in a supporting role I didn't see much interesting about his role about what he was doing but okay and then best cast so I had to watch the whole goddamn thing and it was just not it because I was watching it and I was like looking up the story like I do when I see like movies based on reality whatever and Aaron Sorkin is just a lot sometimes with his dialogue so I looked up the story and found out about Jeremy Kagan's version which is from 1987 I mentioned the 80s before and we're coming back to that so this movie which was like a docudrama where it's facts but it's reenacted from the court case from the trial and it um it's called chicago sorry it's not called chicago it's called conspiracy trial of the chicago eight and it's on youtube if you want to look it up i watched it on youtube it looks awful <laughs> does not look good but it was ripped from something or other and put on youtube so what do you expect not the best quality but still, I watched it and I got what I was missing from the Aaron Sorkin one, which was context and actual what happened <laughs> and not like redoing of certain events. So basically in that one, Carl Lumby plays um, Bobby Seale in that. And then also... Robert Loggia plays the counselor guy, I think. And then there is this guy I recognize all the time, but I don't know his name. It's really bothering me. Peter, Go Peter Boyle is in it also. He plays Dellinger, I believe. David Dellinger. Robert Carradine is Rennie Davis. 
It's an all-star cast for the time, too. Michael Limbeck. So this was like an early role for Michael Limbeck as an actor. And before he became a director and ended up being the only... I mean, one of the names I see in the credits of Friends because he was a director uh, during back in the day. So he plays Abby Hoffman, which is a character that... The character. The person that Sarah Sasha Baron Cohen played. But what they do in this movie is they put the actual events in the background. It's very jarring for someone who doesn't, who's not used to it. But it was cool for the time. And this was one of the early HBO movies, you know. Elliot Gold is in it. Would he be wine glass? He's wine glass. So it was, um, <laughs> it was all these guys that would come in from who were presented in the courtroom in the movie and after one of their characters would say something they would like give it context and say what was going on in the courtroom at whatever given time and how that went and how they felt during that moment so it would be like during Bobby Seale's whole thing where he was being bound and gagged in the courtroom he was saying how he was resisting it also that's a thing that didn't happen in the new version or Chicago 7 it didn't happen in that one where he was like resisting the bound and gagged part um, so in that one he was just kind of like still they didn't let him talk or anything but in the original one in this story based on the actual transcripts in the court he was saying, you know, I just want my constitutional right. I want to be, I have a constitutional right to dis to defend myself. And he just kept talking and talking and talking. Even through the gag. Like, he was, like, very, very resistant to everything. So it's funny that, like, they put a lot of emphasis on the, the racial stuff that's going on in the movie. And yet they don't let the black man in the trial speak for himself like he did in real life. That kind of bothered me. Okay, another uh, part of the cast was Brian Bimbin, who played Tom Hayden. And then there was Ron Rifkin, who played Allen Ginsberg. And they had... The judge was played by David Opatoshu. I'm not familiar with him but he did a good job and then they had Martin Sheen as one of the witnesses I believe and a young Billy Zane as a police officer who infiltrated the group and so that's how I feel about that movie is that I just feel like it was one note and it was too dramatic to be real and it wasn't real so it's Aaron Sorkin so you go in there you don't expect much <laughs> sorry Aaron so it was just what it was and I'm not voting I'm probably not gonna vote for it considering how I didn't feel anything really for it and I can't come away with any feeling of positivity towards that film so I don't know why it's nominated so many times for Oscars mm. 
I don't know. I just don't know because that's a different movie than I saw. Also, it could have been 20 minutes shorter. That wouldn't have helped. That wouldn't have... The editing. Like, why is it up for best film editing? Like, that makes no sense because it's like one of the longest films and it shouldn't be. I don't get it. But whatever. Do you. So that's how I feel about that. So best picture is what I would say it would be the Sound of Metal would be my best picture for the year. Although a close second is Nomadland. Why can't I say the fucking word? Although a close second would be Nomadland. But there were issues with Nomadland where people were like um, bloggers or whatever were saying it's not anti-capitalist enough blah blah blah. I think it's pretty damn anti-capitalist, but it's also anti-other things. It's it's or it's pro-freedom. It's pro being you know one with nature and just out on the road. It's a road movie basically. I mean, just don't like. Why do you go into something like this? Is what Chloe said that she wasn't setting out to make a very political film. So if people just grab political points from nowhere in this film it just goes nowhere i mean it is somewhat political because it's based on like after the recession and everything but it's also just like just enjoy the movie just enjoy life why is everything just a complaint with you so there's so many people just complaining about things yeah the movie sucks defy blood sucks the i mean i'm i i've said why <laughs> i don't know I'm not going to complain about it forever on Twitter. I just like, I'm not going to do a whole essay about how much I hate it. But yeah, I kind of did that here. And you know, this is my outlet. So I'm not going to go make a, an article just like, this wasn't political enough. Like, why does every movie have to be political anyway? I mean, I know there's some politics and everything that you can't get away from. But it doesn't have to have a slant. It doesn't have to have a message of one person's... I mean, not one value is better than another person's value. But one ideology is better than this ideology that this person has. I just don't think that's smart to focus on those things. And also, it's like Francis McDormand, one of the producers, got permission from someone from... Amazon to film in an Amazon warehouse and do you really expect them to poo-poo on Amazon at their own facility they're not going to do that just be glad it wasn't on Amazon Prime <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious if that movie was from Prime and it had an Amazon uh, storyline <laughs> sort of and it's just not all about Amazon this movie either it's about other aspects other jobs that she has to acquire and just not being able to make ends meet and then going from city to city town to town and meeting different people it's just about being out there being in the world so many people who are just insular who are just in their own world or don't reach out to other people and i think that was a good way to get people to be like hey you know what there's other people in the world. I need to meet them. I need to get different points of view on things. And I can't just be stuck in my own bubble. And I think that's what was good about that, that film. That was what resonated with me. Is that aspect of it. So that's how I feel about that. 
I'm so glad we got through this podcast episode. Whew. I mean, I started this just feeling like everything sucks. <laughs> I mean, it does. But, you know, and it sucks that, like, I don't want to get too into it, but I've lost friends because of this whole situation that we've been in for over a year. I've lost people from my life that I'm probably never going to talk to again. And it saddens me. But it's not something I can really do anything about. I can only meet new people and try and be open and be a good person to people as much as possible. Decent person. You don't have to be good. You can just be decent. Just be a decent person to someone. Talk to people that you see um, on the street. Treat people like human beings. Because that's what we all are. Until proven otherwise. So, I don't know. Just, if the aliens come, what will we have to say for ourselves? Honestly. What did we do with our lives? What can we, can we be an example for aliens? Like, hey, we're worthy of staying here and not being interfered with. I don't think so. Most of us are pieces of shit. I mean, we try. But most of us are just pieces of shit. I think we're born pieces of shit. I don't think it's anything we can really do anything about. We can just try and improve as much as possible. Just be a good version of you. The best version of you you can be. And don't just be an asshole all the time. Because it just gets tiring. It's not fun. Have fun. Have fun. Go out into the world and be like, world, show me something. And you know what? If you go outside and you are ready for something to happen, something will happen. It's amazing. Nature has a way of presenting you with so many things. I used to do, when I was a kid and I lived in Georgia with my mother, I would go out walking like all the time. I would walk the dog, of course. I would be the one walking the dog all the time. And every time I walked that girl, I was like looking around at the houses and like taking in my surroundings. I didn't have a Walkman or anything in my ears. I mean, that, I mean, or Discman it would be at that time. But I didn't have anything that I was listening to that I was avoiding the world for. When I went for a walk, I would go out, I would clear my mind as much as possible. I would enjoy the atmosphere and get some fresh air so these masked people take your masks off get some fresh air you need it you need it it's so important when you're walking outside i hate seeing all these people with masks on walking outside because i feel like they're so closed off you should be open when you're outside get those particulates in your body get those those the dust and everything like it all has a purpose get that air into your lungs it's so good for you and you have to build up your immune system there's so many people who are just so isolated right now and that is not going to be good for your immune your immune system it really isn't and i'm worried about the children who are growing up who are thinking that this is totally normal and it's not to wear a mask every time you go to play in school like I saw yesterday, I lived near a, a Jewish school and they were all just wearing masks outside playing. And that's just not what you should be doing. I'm sorry. I, I'm serious. Like, 
These children should be playing and they should not have masks on. No child should have a mask on, in my opinion. And I think it's messed up that two-year-olds fucking have masks on in so many places. Or are supposed to wear masks. I think that's really messed up. I think, you know, it's bad enough that we have social media for children. Like, children can get on social media at cer certain ages. Or people will, or your you, the parent will give them the phone to just keep them busy or whatever. That's bad enough. That's going to fuck up their brain. But now we got to worry about their immune system being compromised because of all of this isolation and all of this, you know, trying to get them as sanitized as possible. That's not going to be good for them in the end. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I just worry about that generation of people and how they're going to react to certain things. And I worry that this vaccine situation could make things worse because the cure can be worse than the um, problem. And usually is. So if you get a vaccine and then down the line, your immune system is not as good and you can't fight off like a common cold or whatever. Like that would be a problem. But hey, you're not dead. <laughs> and maybe you're paralyzed or whatever, but that's fine. You know, whatever. There's certain, you know, situations where they had heart attacks or anaphylactic shock or whatever. And it's like, that doesn't get talked about as much as like little instances of things going wrong with like hydro hydroxychloroquine or whatever, or whatever kind of medicine it is, they get talked about. And you can, you can just see that the media, the people who are building this narrative, the, the companies or whatever, are in like cahoots with the vaccine distributors, with the manufacturers. And that's just very, that creeps me out. But it's not surprising. Because even Bill Gates, like, owns everybody, basically. And yeah, I wasn't going to go on another podcast without mentioning Bill Gates. Hello. You thought I was going to forget about you, Epstein's friend? Yeah. No. That motherfucker is like, oh, we got to be ready for the next pandemic and this pandemic. Shut up. Just give us a few days without a pandemic, please. I feel like, I don't know, everything's changing and, and not for the better, but if we work together individually, see, that's the thing. You can't be infiltrated if you're working individually. So if you work individually and try and retain as many of your freedoms as possible, just freedom of walking unmolested, walking around walking into places to eat, not wearing a mask. Again, they can't like kick you out or whatever. You're going to eat anyway <laughs> and you're not going to have a mask on. So just be smart. And you know, protests are happening all over the world and they're not getting covered a lot, but there's a lot of shenanigans going on too. And there's a lot of police brutality and stuff. So just keep your head on straight and um do whatever you think is right for you and for your family for the people you love and love each other i mean there's so little time on this earth really because we only have a short bit of it so love one another 
Don't hate each other. Don't be afraid all the time. You're going to die from something eventually. That's what the smokers say, right? You talk to a smoker, they're like, oh, I'm going to die from something. Might as well die doing what I love, smoking. So there's so many smokers out there. I see smokers with their masks hanging down. And I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> like, you're already done. <laughs> you're already killing yourself slowly. I mean, it is what it is. And that's a thing that the government was pushing in your face. Smoke cigarettes. Two out of three doctors say smoke this or whatever. You know, camels. The best doctor smoking, you know, doctor cigarette. The best cigarette for doctors is camels. They would do that all the time in advertising. And they advertised heroin. And they advertised Coca-Cola to babies. Not Coca-Cola. Should I say it was like Mountain Dew or something? It was Mountain Dew. They, they advertised Mountain Dew to babies. They said, put, give your baby some Mountain Dew. Hell, Dr. Pepper was literally from a doctor in the very beginning. That's a pharmaceutical that they threw in people's face and they're like, this is great for you. It's a tonic. Have it. And then turned out, no, it's probably not very good for us. What an, what's another one? I'm trying to, AZT. There's Fauci for you. AZT he pushed on the public who were dying of AIDS and then they died of AZT instead. So, I mean, come on. Just be smart. Everybody be smart. Thank you so much for listening. I try my best on this thing. The next time I'm on here, it will be April. And all of the vaccine shit will have been administered. And I guess I'll get into that whole thing. The fallout from that. Because I'm sure it's going to be really intense. And extensive. So we'll talk about all of that mess. Then. And I think it'll be after the SAG Awards, so we can discuss that. Because so, I want to be, not get, be too overwhelmingly political in this goddamn thing. Because this did start out as a fun show. With guests, which was nice. Would love to have guests again. <laughs> if you want to come over to my apartment. In Hollywood. But I digress. Um, it's been fun. Thank you so much. Let's try not to kill each other as we move forward this dystopia thank you for listening again i'll see you next time